on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. And to the extent we change those to businesses benefit, that will undoubtedly help residential customers as well. If Iowa business and industry expect to grow, they need to be involved in developing energy policy. How can you use the lessons from this year's Super Bowl ads to grow your business? And we'll tell you the story of how a successful California business became even more successful after moving to Iowa. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of February 2021. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. A recent poll commissioned by the group Iowa Business for Clean Energy shows 80% of Iowa voters say the primary goal of Iowa's energy policy should be achieving 100% clean energy. And roughly that same number say we should increase the number of solar farms and wind farms in Iowa. Business and industry need to be involved when discussing our state's energy future, in part because of what customers want. That's according to Bob Rafferty, executive director of the group Iowa Business for Clean Energy. Why do we need Iowa Business for Clean Energy? We talk about it for several reasons, but uh, you know the fact is when it comes to energy, both society and technology are changing rapidly. And what do we mean by that? Uh, well, no matter what your personal opinion is on climate change, society's emphasis on increased sustainability is growing rapidly. It's gonna be a clear competitive advantage for Iowa's businesses to have a small carbon footprint to access the customers, markets, employees, and investors. You're starting to see that now. I mean, look at Walmart and Amazon the two big growing retail giants. They both have set targets for zero carbon footprints. And if you're a supplier to Walmart or or Amazon, you're gonna have to start achieving your own sustainability goals if you're going to remain a competitive supplier. And it's not just accessing those customers and markets, it's also investors. We were talking to a uh, Iowa-based investor-owned company publicly held company, and they were stressing what's driving their sustainability goals are our investors. Mm. Investors are demanding it. And so if Iowa's businesses are going to stay competitive in the future, we need to make sure they can reach their sustainability goals at the lowest cost possible. So that's one thing. And then second thing is technology when it comes to energy is changing rapidly. Back to November 2019 study by the Lazar group highlighted that the uh, the unsubsidized cost of utility scale solar and wind is actually as competitive now in many instances as even gas generated energy. And those type of changes are only going to become more rapid. So the more we can adopt clean energy in the future, we're going to position Iowa's businesses to have the lowest cost energy, as well as make sure they can achieve their sustainability goals to be competitive in the future. Now, that last point to me, if I'm strictly talking business in dollars and cents, that's the appealable part, right? Because for so many years, we have had people who have said, well, I'd love to have this alternate source of energy. But the upfront cost is so big, the amortization time to recover that investment is so long, 
It's just not feasible. But technology has changed and costs have changed. And so people who may have rejected it out of hand, say, 10 years ago, it's a whole different conversation these days. Completely different. You only have to drive along the countryside and see conservative farmers who are putting up solar left and right because it it, it returns that value. And now some of that is because it's subsidized, but that's even quickly changing. The costs are continuing to go down. And as those go down, we need to make sure Iowa businesses understand, hey, what kind of energy policy do we need in Iowa to ensure we can have the lowest cost, cleanest energy possible? You know, it's interesting. People don't uh, always assume Iowa has low cost energy. The reality is for Iowa's small and medium businesses, we have the 22nd highest energy rates in the country on average. In fact, in 2019, our rates were even higher than Illinois, which people are surprised to to hear that. Actually, our residential rates are even higher. We have the 17th highest residential rates in the country on average, which again, surprises people. So does that lead me to suggest that business, if it takes the lead in the way you've described, may wind up because it may be well positioned for assistance in infrastructure or getting things to a critical mass point. That may actually help me as a resident because if business adopts it, and I hate to use the phrase trickle down, but it will trickle down to my benefit just as a homeowner. I think if we are adopting the right energy policies, because remember, energy right now is a highly government regulated and managed industry in Iowa as well as throughout the country. And as technology changes, the need for government to manage it in the same way or even to manage it as heavily as it manages and regulates today may change. And to the extent we change those to businesses benefit, that will undoubtedly help residential customers as well. So what's the pushback? I mean, I look at your website and I see it is called Iowa Business for Clean Energy. I suppose there are some who think all business is bad. I suppose there are some who are suspicious of the phrase clean energy. Again, very distinct, potentially different groups. So what's the pushback that you get when you talk to people about this? Well, we actually haven't been getting too much pushback, although, you know, some people question, oh, is climate change real? Do we need to, uh, clean energy is just going to increase our energy costs. The role of Iowa Business for Clean Energy is really an education role. We want to make sure businesses realize they need to be positioned to achieve sustainability goals, whether or not they believe in climate change, right? It's just because those customers Uh, those future employees, those investors are going to demand it. And so we need to make sure they can access that clean energy at the lowest cost possible. As we explain that, it starts to make more sense. And and there's going to be a lot of discussion on this whole energy front. It's starting now. You know, take, for example, as we electrify our vehicles. Right now, fueling our vehicles is a very competitive market probably as competitive as a market as we'll find out there. And so as those get electrified, now all of a sudden we're moving from a competitive market to what is now a very highly regulated government market where you just have really, you know, we're in a monopoly situation, right? You cannot buy electricity from just anyone in Iowa. You have to buy from the incumbent electrical provider. 
as we start to electrify our vehicles, that's going to raise some policy questions. Do we want to move from that competitive environment where we can choose who we buy our vehicle fuel to one where we have to buy it from a monopoly? Those are some questions that I'm not sure we have an answer for today, but those are questions that businesses are going to have to start asking. Residents are going to have to start asking, but it's, again, an example of the type of questions this whole energy revolution is going to really bring about in the years ahead. And keep in mind, our state policies, because it's so state regulated, will determine our competitiveness in 10 years. You know, I look back at Illinois. Illinois was always viewed as a high cost state, especially even on the electric front, at least as far as I'm concerned. Over the last 10 years, they now have cheaper rates than Iowa. Uh, interesting, they also have a competitive electric market. Whether that's related or not, I, who knows? But it certainly raises questions. As you point out, we need to start raising these questions. We need businesses to become aware that they should think about how they're getting electricity today and how they want to get it 10 years from now. Let me ask finally, and this could be an unfair question, because you're talking about a conversation with topics that are rapidly changing and evolving. You're talking about providing an educational opportunity for people who are seeking the knowledge. But that having been said, if we have this conversation in five years, what's the conversation look like? What do you hope will have changed or how will this have moved if you're successful and we reconnect in five years? Well, first off, I, I am hoping Iowa is in a position that it continues to lead on clean energy. I mean, after all, we generate clean energy here in Iowa. We don't have to import it. And so that alone is a reason to have higher clean energy. Number two, I hope we're on a path to have low energy rates from that clean energy. And number three, I hope we have policies that actually return um, uh, have a return on the investment for the energy efficiency that businesses need to invest in order to just also lower their energy costs. You know, that's the other side uh, that we don't look at. And people don't realize, depending on how our electric rates are structured, will determine whether a business can get a higher return on investing in energy efficiency. Bob Rafferty, Executive Director of the group Iowa Business for Clean Energy. They're online at iowacleanenergy.org. We connected via Zoom on December 30th, 2020. Listen to the full interview online. The podcast is at totallyiowa.com. Still to come, Super Bowl ads that may teach you something for your business and how a move to Iowa jump-started one California-based business. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by the Iowa Waste Reduction Center, devoted to environmental consulting, assistance, training, and education for entities with environmental impact or need. Online at iwrc.uni.edu. It's now been a week since Super Bowl 55 was played, and part of our national experience surrounding the Pro Football Championship game centers on the television ads that roll out during the broadcast. Now, you may have your favorite for one reason or another, 
But have you considered how to take something from those ads to help you market your business? Josh Scheinblum has. He's the founder of Five Seasons Media, a video and social media marketing company based in Cedar Rapids. What I would say is it's okay to follow their example. I think you would be hard-pressed to find an ad that aired during the Super Bowl that didn't have as their primary goal to get people talking about it, but to then get them on their smartphones, tweeting about it, writing about it on Facebook, and then looking for the content to then share. The strategy really across the board, regardless of whether they were selling cars or oatmeal milk, it didn't really matter. It was to do well on social media. And whether or not you have five and a half million dollars to air a television ad one time for the big game, if you understand what they're doing, right? There's free organic reach. Be creative, tell a good story, and think about what would resonate and call people not just to buy your product. I'm going to come back to that Jeep ad with Bruce Springsteen. You know, yes, you saw him out there driving in a Jeep, but they didn't talk about five-year warranties. They didn't talk about leasing prices or the, the different deals you can get financing. It was all about story. And regardless of the ads that you're watching, take your focus away from creating a good advertisement. Deliver value. Tell a good story. You know, whether people are interested in your product or not, if you tell a good story, you're giving them something. And if you give them something for free, then they have a reason to engage with you. I think that the headline throughout all of this, step up your social media game, because if you're not, the big boys are. Even if the ads were trying to be funny, the key was, you know, universal appeal to get as many people as possible invested in causes or storylines that we all feel like we have a part to buy into. Josh Scheinblum of Five Seasons Media in Cedar Rapids, online at fiveseasonsmedia.com, and that's the number five, Five Seasons Media. You may recall we introduced you to him as part of our business profile segments last year. Not long after he started the company, we spoke via Zoom on Monday, February 8th. Coming up, making a profitable move to Iowa. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, the state of Iowa's comprehensive consulting program designed to work with mid-sized companies to enhance their growth. Online at AdvanceIowa.com. In this week's business profile, we reintroduce you to Robert Worson of Interpower Corporation based in Oskaloosa. Interpower is the premier supplier of power system components worldwide. Bob Worson is a California native who came to Iowa in search of growing his business. How that happened, based in large part on a chance meeting, is a story worth telling in full. Well, that fear factor comes in, and the, the fear that was uh, uh, there, this would have been the early very early 90s, uh, was that you know I, I really was having a hard time satisfying my customers by buying devices in Europe and reselling them in the United States and Canada. Now, buying it today, that would be, Bob, people would question, why weren't you buying them in China? Well, at that time, China wasn't yet competitive. 
uh, they didn't meet the quality requirements and there were various other kinds of things. So that uh, buying them in Europe really made a lot of sense. But uh, the Europeans wanted to treat the U.S. market. Uh, uh, let's just say the company was in Austria and they wanted to treat it like it was uh, Switzerland or Germany or something like that. And the U.S. market's a lot different than those uh, individual European markets. And so their delivery times were too long. Uh, they weren't flexible about designs. Uh, there were just a variety of things. I felt if we could design and make our own products, we'd be a lot more successful. But that's a big step. That's a very big step, and you've got a facilities issue now. You've got to have facilities that are really consistent with the kind of manufacturing that's involved in making power cords and cord sets and electrical connectors and things like that. And workforce. And, uh, workforce was an issue also. We were based at that time in Santa Rosa, California, and so imagine Sylvan Industrial Parks with rolling lawns and glass almost all the way around the building and rules that said that you don't change anything without a permit or something like that. And I felt that what I needed was more efficient manufacturing, and I started looking first in Santa Rosa and then in the communities around and wasn't finding anything that looked like it would work. And then I cast a broader net in California. All of a sudden it hit me. The problem wasn't Santa Rosa. It was California. And uh, I really needed to think bigger. So ultimately, after running what amounts to a beauty contest, um, I settled on Iowa. And uh, the reason for being in Oskaloosa was a chance meeting with the then chamber executive in Oskaloosa Chamber Exec at uh, the National Plastics Exhibition in, in uh, Chicago in 1991. And uh, that exhibition is very large, and if you want to see it all in, let's say, two days of walking, um, and at that point, that was my mindset. I was trying to learn all about plastics because I was going to be using plastics in manufacturing, and I had a lot to learn. And um, so you really got to plan every minute of your time. And I looked at my watch and realized I was running uh, you know, half hour to 45 minutes ahead of my predetermined schedule. And so uh, I saw a sign that said, Iowa, the time is right. I said, oh, I've got enough time. I'll give him five minutes to tell me why the time's right. And I walked up there and 90 minutes later, I walked away with an armload of literature, and, which I almost never pick up any place. you got to carry it, after all. And secondly, with the awareness that I could reinvent my company with a move to Iowa. I could probably reinvent it with a move someplace else, too, but this all made sense to me. And my wife says that I called her that night, and uh, she told her mother, Mom, I think we're moving to Iowa. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, sight unseen. I had made the decision yet, but that was her perception. I came to visit uh, a few months later and um, was very satisfied with what I saw. And um, I remember sitting around the chamber table here in town after I'd been out to the site to visit it and all this kind of, and looked the town over. And uh, this same uh, chamber exec said, well, Bob, uh, we've shown you everything. Um, what's it going to take to get you to move? And I said, well, there are two th I got two problems. 
And it, the fact that I was thinking about this in advance without even acknowledging it to myself, I regard today as a little amazing, but I, I saw two problems. The first was that uh, I said, I've got enough money to move the company, um, but I don't have much left after that. So in, in buying this building, I need finance, 100% financing on the building. Now, if somebody told me that today and I was sitting on an economic development board, I'd run the other way, but uh, they didn't. <laughs> and uh, so the lead banker in town said, well, you know, we can do that. Uh, if you want to own the building, um, uh, we can lend you up to 75% of its value and we'll do a, a private uh, placement bond issue, or maybe it was a public bond issue, for the remaining 25% and we'll sell it locally. And he looks at the other bankers, you guys on board, and uh, three of the four were, so uh, the rest is history, as they say. And um, so John says, the, the next thing, uh, this is John Beckward was his name, says, Bob, you said there were two things. I said, yeah, the second one is the more difficult. And I paused for effect, and they're all looking at me. you got to help me convince my wife that this is a good idea. Bob Worson of Interpower based since 1993 in Oskaloosa, Iowa. We originally spoke to him in their offices in December 2019. They're online at interpower.com. You may also recall we've mentioned Mr. Worson's other Mahaska County business, Tassel Ridge Winery. You can hear the winery story by listening to the IBR Business Profile podcast we posted last summer. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR Extras and IBR Business Profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.